How is he? Nothing that won't heal. I'm so sorry, Padme. I, I, I don't know what came over me. What's done is done. It's just when I saw you about to kiss him. And I regret that. But it was not what you thought. And you must know I don't care for Clovis. Don't you? I've told you why I'm doing this. But still, you refuse to accept it. You could have killed him, Anakin. I know. This marriage is not a marriage, Anakin. If there isn't any trust. We said at the beginning that this could be a terrible mistake. What exactly are you saying? That other people who are married have everything that we don't. Everything that we won't. We live in secret, Anakin. Like it or not, our relationship is built on lies and deception. No relationship can survive that. I know I went too far. It's just... It's just something inside me snapped. I don't know who's in there sometimes. I just know that I'm not happy anymore. I don't feel safe. But Padme... I think it's best if we don't see each other anymore. At least not for a while. I'm sorry, Anakin. Um... I'm sorry too. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Uto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the Clone Army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, the banking clan's corruption has been proven. Back at Coruscant, Anakin demands that Padme not work alongside Clovis, but she refuses, throwing their relationship into turmoil. The Separatists and Republic both vote in Clovis to be the new leader of the banking clan. Hey, troops of your old buddy Bucho. A Clone Wars rookie on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars, and next to me in the dropship on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars, he's the Obi-Wan to my Anakin. It's your trusty pal, Robbie. How's it going, everyone? And we are going to talk about the 114th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology, written by Christian Taylor, directed by Danny Keller. It's Season 6, Episode 6, The Rise of Clovis. So, Robbie, let's roll out with you letting us know what you remembered about The Rise of Clovis before you rewatched it again this week. Um, yeah, so... That uh, good, huh? Yeah! Yeah, woohoo! I didn't remember much of this either. <laughs> Here's where the fun begins. Yeah, I did remember a very long fist fight, but no, it's uh, yeah, I didn't remember much. I got to be honest. I will say one thing about the way that we, I guess, the kind of a little behind the scenes thing as to how we process these episodes, right? So I've seen these at this episode at least twice before. I mean, I guarantee you have only seen this one three times sure this whole arc is 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 baffling to me but at the same time what it does is it makes me appreciate some of the things that have really really done well because i'm taking notes because i'm looking at this thing critically to a more critical eye it doesn't allow me to disengage i'm always engaged in the show and even though it's not my favorite arc it's not my favorite set of episodes i still enjoy watching these episodes because there is a beauty to the work being done here that being said, it's just not a memorable episode for me. So yeah, I didn't remember a whole lot watching it. Well, then you probably didn't remember that The Rise of Clovis opens with the heads of the banking clan fretting over the events of the previous episode and placing the blame on the Mune Senator, Nick's card, who then puts in a call to Darth Sidious, who suggests that everything is proceeding as he is foreseen. So we cut to Coruscant, 
But Clovis makes his case to some of the leaders of the Republic and to the Jedi Council that while sure, he is a former traitor to them all, but now he's a hero who's trying to root out corruption in the banking clan. And his pleas are successful enough that they lead to Chancellor Palpatine putting Padme in charge of working with Clovis to get to the bottom of all this financial skullduggery on Scipio, which of course leads to Anakin's protective instincts going into overdrive. And of course, Anakin angrily points out that the last two times Padme trusted Clovis, she ended up poisoned and in jail respectively. But Padme won't be swayed and she's hurt that Anakin's jealous side is clouding the issue. And she feels that Anakin should just trust her because she's his wife and because that's what relationships are. And so Padme heads off on her mission with Clovis and Anakin heads off to be visited by Obi-Wan who gives Anakin the talk about how he gets it, bro. <laughs> he tells Anakin that he went through some attachment type stuff with Satine, so he totally relates. And he tries to reinforce in Anakin how important it is not to let one's natural attractions to other people cloud one's judgment. A very familiar conversation because we saw Anakin have exactly that conversation with Ahsoka when Ahsoka was on Onderon. And while all of this emotional turbulence is in the air between Padme and Anakin, Lord Tyrannus kneels to receive orders from Darth Sidious to bring Clovis to heal. And as much as we might kind of beat up on these episodes for how dry all the banking stuff is, I do feel like the stuff with Anakin and Padme is really well handled. It is very frustrating, but I think it's supposed to be. And part of what they do quite well is that you can kind of see both points here because it is pretty much undeniable that both times Padme has trusted Clovis, it did go really badly for her. You know, being poisoned is no good, being thrown in jail is no good, so it's really easy to see where Anakin is coming from. But on the other hand, we in the audience see a side of the situation that Anakin hasn't seen. So we know that Padme is correct to trust Clovis, at least insofar as we know that Clovis is actually trying to do something good now. Although it also seems clear that we can't trust Clovis when it comes to his ability to protect Padme from one being poisoned or from two being arrested and thrown in jail. So it is kind of a complicated situation because it's natural to be protective of someone you love, right? This is one of Anakin's deals, right? This is part of his attachment issue. But on the other hand, why are you in a relationship with someone if you don't trust their judgment? So, I don't know. I think it's murky, it's frustrating, but I think it's supposed to be. So I do at least give the episode props on the way they handle that stuff, at least in the first half of the episode. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, one of the things that you didn't mention there is Anakin saying that I forbid you to do this. Right. And it was just like... Yeah, that doesn't go over well. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't go over well in my house. Yep. So it was just, uh, I guess one of the things is it's like, first off, you know, we're having this discussion in Palpatine's office and man, there's a lot of Jedi in there. Like there's a lot. It's the whole Jedi Council, right? Yeah. And it's like over a basically a banking dispute. It seems strange that the right. Jedi would be this involved in it. Especially since the Jedi are supposed to be taken away from military operations because, I mean, one of the things that the show has established is that the Jedi were for a long time the generals. And so any questions about funding, you know, the military relies on their funding. And so it makes sense that the military would have an interest in it. But then, you know, the end of last season really established that the Jedi would be moved away from that side of the deal and that this new military headed by Tarkin was taken over. So it's odd that Tarkin is not in there and that all the Jedi are. 
Yeah, it, it almost feels as if uh, this whole arc was meant for season five somewhere, maybe toward the beginning of season five and was pushed back or whatever. But, but anyway, I just found that notable. And then uh, I guess I just didn't realize that or never really thought about Anakin having his own quarters. And you would think that at this point, right. with knowing Anakin as well as we do, you would think he would run out of things to fix. But I found it very interesting that Obi-Wan... This is the first time that he's really openly discussing Satine with Anakin. Right. Like, really openly talking about his feelings and things like that. I mean, and maybe it's something that they've discussed before, but this is the first on-screen time when they discuss it. And I just found that really to be kind of interesting. And then Anakin overplaying his hand completely. (laughs) Obi-Wan would have to be kind of blind not to know that there's more to them than just friends. Come on. No one is that protective. You know what I mean? I've got a lot of friends. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not something I would do. So, again, maybe it's it's one of those things, like you said, where it's almost meant to be frustrating. And, and if it is, then I guess they did a good job. <laughs> the mission accomplished. Yeah. I think the thing with Anakin, or at least the thing that everyone knows about Anakin, is that he was, what was he, six or seven when he first met Padme? So... He has known her as kind of an anchor in his life ever since he was essentially taken away from his own mother. And, you know, she was, I don't know, I don't want to get weird about it. I don't want to say that she's a mother figure, but let's just say that she is the woman who is his anchor. Right. And so it makes sense that given what Obi-Wan knows about Anakin's background and where he came from and that he's, you know, I mean, I'm just repeating myself now that he's known Padme since he was a little kid, that it makes a ton of sense that he would be super protective of her, you know, because Padme and Obi-Wan are the two, you know, they basically met at the same time. He's known Padme just as long as he's known Obi-Wan. And at least at the start, his relationship with Padme was stronger, you know, she was sort of protective of him and sort of helped guide him. I mean, I don't like to talk too much about that early part of their (laughs) relationship because in some ways it's kind of weird that Padme ended up in a relationship with someone she met as a child. But I guess that's where I sort of can buy that. Obi-Wan might think it's just Anakin being protective. I don't know. But I do get what you're saying. I do get what you're saying there that Anakin, you know, he's bad at hiding his feelings. Yeah. And, you know, Obi-Wan, I think from here on, I guess we would assume that he does know or at least strongly suspects it. But we move on from there. Next, we see Clovis explaining the banking shenanigans to Padme, which leads to Padme and Clovis reminiscing about the good old days, which leads to Clovis being all vulnerable and open-hearted and yapping about his childhood, which, of course, leads to Clovis deciding that now would be a real good time to make a pass at Padme. So he grabs a hold of Padme and he leans in close to kiss Padme just in time for the door to fly open to reveal Anakin standing there to see his wife telling Clovis, no Clovis, which leads to Anakin beating the heck out of Clovis, which seems at least somewhat understandable given that Padme was clearly trying to tell Clovis no, that Anakin could hear that the feelings were not mutual between Padme and Clovis. So what Anakin burst in on from his point of view in that scene, in that moment, it seems like Anakin's bursting in on assault. So, you know, while he definitely does go too far, in a way, it's understandable because, I mean, what... You, you come in on an assault, you feel like the bad guy deserves to get a beat down. But when Padme and Anakin talk about it afterwards, it's framed as if Anakin getting physical with Clovis wasn't the protective act that it had appeared to be at the time. That it was, in fact, just a garden variety jealous rage. So 
that does kind of change things because sure Anakin definitely went too far with his assault on Clovis but what that means for the relationship is quite different if the rage was the result not of his protective instinct but of a possessive instinct so this framing of it as the latter means that it makes sense for Padme to decide that she and Anakin need to call it quits on their romance for a while and the grounds that he doesn't trust her feelings as much as he should if it's all about jealousy then he should trust especially since he saw her saying no when he comes through that door, the door opens, he sees Padme telling Clovis no. So in that moment, he should know that she doesn't want to cheat on Anakin. So why is there jealousy? You know, that doesn't make sense. So this whole thing is just kind of, I don't know if it's just sloppy storytelling. I don't know if, I don't know what it is. This part of the story was frustrating for a completely different reason. And it's because those two scenes feel inconsistent with each other. Does that make sense to you? Well, I mean, yes and no, because you actually made me think about the idea of, well, first off, that fight goes on for a long time. Yeah. I mean, it's it seems like it's a very long fight, and it just it feels unnaturally drawn out a little bit, but I actually enjoyed the conversation that he and Padme have, because it's really the first time, I mean, after they've been married, it's the first time and only time that they've discussed how strange the whole thing is. The fact that they're married and they have to keep it a secret. They can't, you know, enjoy themselves as a couple. Sure. Amongst other couples. That everything is hidden. Everything's based on lies. I actually enjoyed that part of it. And then what you said just kind of made me think of it a little differently because as you said, he's not acting out of oh, this guy's making a pass at my wife or whatever. It really is more of a a possessive thing, which is definitely what Anakin has is known for. Which I, I guess I just didn't really put together when I was watching the episode. But it's still, man, it is. Wow, it is rather sloppy. I kind of almost feel like they were like, I guess we throw these in here. Let's throw these in here now. I mean, gosh, we got we got a lot of the voice acting is already done. Let's just finish this. These this. Yeah, let's just. Yeah, we'll put those in there. The fans will, the fans will love it. I don't know. It just feels such a strange set of episodes to throw in. But anyway, yeah, no, I think you're right on. On though, it's 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 definitely seems a little awkward. Yeah, when he bursts in, he sees his wife. I mean, even if it's not his wife, it's a woman who is trying to fight off a man. She's telling him no. He seems not to be taking no for an answer, so yeah. it makes sense that you would, you know, maybe go to town on him a little bit. And the fact that it goes on for so long, I think they're making the point that Anakin has just lost it, right? He's completely lost control. Yeah. And it's almost a miracle that Clovis didn't get more badly hurt. But I also don't necessarily think it's strange that they are telling more of the story of Anakin and Padme's relationship breaking down and of trying to emphasize how Anakin's possessiveness is dangerous it makes sense to me no i mean the banking side of the deal all this financial malarkey you know that's obviously some sort of palpatine machinations going on but the main story that's going on is the relationship between anakin and padme and so it does make sense to me that as we get closer to episode three to revenge of the sith that they would be wanting to show more of the cracks forming in their relationship so I can't say that I feel like it's a strange decision to tell this story now in the way that you're saying, but I just felt like it could have been told better. Does that make sense? I And I agree with you. It, it just feels like it's, I don't know, maybe a little half-baked idea. I don't know. It, it's really interesting because, I mean, you could 
I feel like that fight could have been over 80% faster. <laughs> it just could have, it didn't, it just seemed uh, almost gratuitous, you know, with all the, okay, he's going to punch him in the face 17 times. I mean, wh- okay, we get it. We get it. We get it. Because now I'm, I'm kind of rethinking it a little bit because it is necessary to show this breaking down of their relationship in the fact that you almost see Anakin as being unhinged because now he's he's lost his, his Padawan. Yeah. Even if, I mean, let's just assume that this was supposed to take place after Ahsoka leaves. It is interesting that it's almost like you're slowly peeling away the things that Anakin has always trusted to be there. Sure. And maybe that's one of the things that brings him to episode three. But anyway, like you said, it's, it's just awkwardly done. Well, of course, it's not only Anakin and Padme who are dealing with issues of trust at this time, because as Clovis recovers, he takes a call from Count Dooku, who sweet-talks Clovis into teaming up with him again. But then everyone agrees that Clovis should be the boss of the banks, except Anakin. Everyone else puts Clovis in charge. So now we know that the rise of Clovis is talking about Clovis becoming the boss of the banks. And... That's that's the end of the episode. Um, I didn't even have too many remarks on the second half of the episode, Robbie. I got to admit, I was kind of zoning out and finding it pretty hard to care about all of this financial malarkey to follow it properly. But as far as I can tell, Dooku's deal is to support a bid to put Clovis in charge of the banks as long as Clovis doesn't reveal to anyone that the separatists haven't been paying any interest on their loans, which is something that at that point Clovis had only shared with Padme. At least I think that's what was going on. I watched the scene three times and I glazed over each time, so I may have misunderstood the details. And I just, I mean, it was kind of, like I said, awkwardly put together. The motivation for Anakin going over the edge wasn't clear, you know, between the two scenes. They feel contradictory. And I don't know, maybe also I'm just finding it difficult to care about bank corruption (laughs) coming hot on the heels of Five's arc, you know, which feels so much more consequential and so much more personal you know i don't know i mean we're giving away that we're not fans of this episode in this arc but is there any you want to talk about anything else before we get onto our standout shots of the episode Robbie? well i was just going to say that it's one of those things that for whatever reason i'd been thinking about the scene of finn in the dreaded canto bite scene with all of the rich profiteering being done in the times of the first order that it seems like at least in that segment of Star Wars, they've moved from sort of a centralized and maybe it's still there and we just don't see it and maybe it's not something that they're going to devote screen time to in the movies, but I just found it interesting the juxtaposition between this, the banking clan sort of being there, pulling all the strings in the time of the Clone Wars to what seems like a much more, I would say almost little too close to realism you know with you've got all these rich people that are kind of involved in profiteering on both sides of the war you know maybe that's a little too close to the way things are in real life sometimes but uh, I just found that interesting and I thought about it a little bit but then I was kind of like yeah yeah that's okay (laughs) it's just not the most interesting segment of the Star Wars galaxy to me Sure. Well, speaking of interesting segments, Robbie, and probably one of the worst segues I've ever done, what was your standout (laughs) shot of The Rise of Clovis? Well, my favorite shot was shortly after Padme and Clovis are having their little discussion after their opera, 
which, you know, all of this is really important, but they had time to go to an opera. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. the drone shot of Padme's apartment right at the, be- you know, the beginning of that scene right. was just neat looking because it looked like a shot that would be done today with, you know, helicopter shots or drone shots. Very, very cool shot, you know, kind of going around, kind of flying toward it and then kind of doing a, uh, you know, a kind of a circle around the apartment. I just thought it was a cool shot. That was my favorite one. Definitely was. And your hand emotions really described <laughs> it well there, Robbie. But I think the troops will know what you're talking about. And I was uh, yeah, I was mesmerized by your hand motions there. I would put you on charge of dolly shots and drone driving any day of the week. Mine was a simpler one and probably a predictable one. It was the door flying open and Anakin framed right in between Clovis's face and Padme's face so close together. Anakin looking terrifying in that doorway, which goes straight into a dolly zoom into Anakin's eyes. That was almost my shot of the episode, but maybe I'll cheat and choose those two shots one after the other. Thought that was a sweet little piece of filmmaking. And so before we bring this one for a landing, Robbie, we need to sum up and give our ratings. So after your most recent watch of The Rise of Clovis, how did you like it? Where does The Rise of Clovis sit on that four-star Robbie scale? Well, I'm going to give this one a four out of eight. <laughs> so really it's a two out of four. Um, yeah. Even though I, I do appreciate the kind of additional stress on Anakin's relationship with Padme in this episode, Obi-Wan having a little discussion, kind of opening his heart a little bit, talking about Satine. I appreciate those scenes, but overall I just banking situations and disputes is not my area of expertise, especially when it comes to Star Wars. Yeah, this was another episode that was almost a skipper for me, and there was one scene that saved it, and in this case, it was Obi-Wan and Anakin's talk. So that kicked it up into five secret banking transactions out of ten, which is right on the edge of being a skipper. So that's what saved this episode, and that's Mission Accomplished for Season 6, Episode 6, The Rise of Clovis. So Robbie, won't you please let the troops out there know if they want to tell us we're being way too hard on this and we're missing the main point and we're missing so much. We're doing a terrible job of reviewing episodes that people out there love. What are our communications channels? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> we are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, on Twitter, and on Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y. Yes, sir. And of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 115th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. It's Season 6, Episode 7, Crisis at the Heart. And until then, this is your old buddy, Bucho, alongside your trusty pal, Robbie. And we are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com. May the force be with you.